Well, it's good to be with you, Treasuring Christ Church. Uh, my name is Jeremy Chastine. I'm one of the pastors at Cross Point Church in Clemson, South Carolina. I'm married uh, for 20 years to my wife, Liz, and we have four kids uh, from teenage uh, down to age nine, and so life is full for us. And I want to send you greetings on behalf of Cross Point Church. Uh, it, it is an exciting venture to be partnered with you. Uh, and in fact, I would probably be there right now serving with you. I've been there a couple of times, and I love the mission of what God is doing in Ann Arbor, Mission, Michigan. And so the vision, the vision is passionate for you. Uh, it's passionate for us. We're, a, we're, we're Cross Point Church here in Clemson, South Carolina. As you know, we're a college town, and our passion is to reach the campus and community. And we're trusting God that, that he would raise up labors that will impact the nations for the kingdom. So it's been a joy uh, to do that here in Clemson. And it's a joy to invest in you and to, to invest in what God's doing there in Ann Arbor, Michigan. Uh, the text today in 2 Corinthians chapter 2, uh, 12 through 17 is a great text. It gives great perspective uh, for the mission that God has called us here in Clemson and for the mission that God has called you there in Ann Arbor, Michigan. Our mission is to spread the gospel, to proclaim, to speak uh, the gospel, and to live daily on mission. Uh, here we talk uh, that you know, 98% of our time is out there, uh, life on mission, and we gather for the 2%. Uh, I think today in a pandemic, uh, roughly 100% of our time right, uh, is out there. And so uh, today, as, as we look at this passage, God leads us to fulfill the mission. God leads us to fulfill the mission. Let me read 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 2, uh, 12 through 17. Uh, Paul says, When I came to Troas to preach the gospel of Christ, even though a door was open uh, for me in the Lord, my spirit was not at rest because I did not find my brother Titus there. So I took leave of them and went on to Macedonia. But thanks be to God, who in Christ always leads us in triumphal procession and through us spreads the fragrance of the knowledge of him everywhere. For we are the aroma of Christ to God among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. To the one, a fragrance from death to death and to the other, a fragrance from life to life. Who is sufficient? For these things, for we are not like so many peddlers of God's word, but as men of sincerity, as commissioned by God in the sight of God, we speak in Christ. Join me in prayer this morning. Uh, Father, uh, thank you for the reading of your word. Uh, it's my prayer today uh, that we would have ears to listen, that our hearts would be humble to see what you want to encourage us with uh, today from your word. And if there's anyone that does not know you today, I pray, Father, that uh, their, their eyes would see, uh, their, their, their hearts would be open to respond to this glorious gospel today. And may the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, uh, my rock and my redeemer. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. The sense of smell is powerful. Right, uh, I walk into my home, and uh, on most days I can smell the cooking of dinner. Um, the sense of smell is powerful. You know, it could be a, a young baby that you hold, and, and those smells are even, even the, the smell of the home of a grandparent. 
You see, smells can remind us of things that are pleasant and things that are unpleasant. And there's nothing like the smell of a, of a, of a souring, dirty diaper. I remember some of those days. Or, unfortunately, you, you, know, you might walk by some roadkill and there's nothing like the unpleasant smell of death. Uh, I have a 17-year-old cat this month. And my brother-in-law is a veterinarian. You know, if you do uh, multiply uh, 17 times 7, my cat is 119 years old. You know what the name of my cat is? My cat's name is Tiger. Yes, I live here in Clemson, uh, the Clemson Tigers. And, uh, you know, oftentimes I go to CVS to pick up medicine uh, that my brother-in-law will call in. And uh, I'll say, I've got a, I need to pick up medicine for my cat, Tiger. Uh, you can, and they normally say, well, you got to tell me a little bit more about that because everybody's cat's name here in Clemson is named Tiger. Uh, but anyway, my cat has a strong sense of smell. Uh, just about every day, um, uh, we eat lots of eggs in our home, and I'll, my regular rhythm is four eggs, and when my, I let my cat inside, and he's this 119-year-old cat is just ready, chomping at the bit. He smells the eggs cooking. Uh, he doesn't jump on the counter and grab them off the, the skillet, but as soon as I'm done with my eggs, he's ready, that sense of smell, he's ready to lick up the yolk. Uh, the sense of smell is strong. You see, smells uh, for my cat are pleasant. Smells can be pleasant, unpleasant. Uh, smells may warn us of danger, right? Uh, and smells may attract us to things, um, to, to a good sense of a smell. Um, you know, smell. God, uh, in this passage, we see the sense of smell. And, and our big idea today, as we continue moving through the text, is that God leads us to spread the smell, to spread the knowledge of Him everywhere. We are the fragrance. We are a sweet fragrance, an aroma of Christ to those who are perishing and to those who who are being saved. Uh, first, I want to look in this first part of the passage, uh, 12 through 14. Uh, number one, God leads us. God leads us. God leads us in victory. Uh, here in some, here's some context here. Paul, uh, it's very interesting. The text says uh, an open door. Paul had an open door to proclaim, to preach the gospel in Troas. And I would say Paul's primary purpose in coming to Troas was to preach the gospel. I would say all the apostles, all healthy churches must have a primary goal and mission to preach the gospels. Uh, the 11 disciples uh, uh, into Acts and soon to be 12 again. As we zoom back and look at big picture of what's happening in the New Testament, uh, there was proclamation of the gospel. And as individuals confessed and repented and came to faith in Christ, these, these believers were organized into local churches. And that's why uh, we're passionate, yes, treasuring Christ and Crosspoint to, to be churches that plant churches, that plant churches, that plant churches to the ends of the earth. Paul had an open door and he was proclaiming the gospel. Our mission, our vision, our strategy must be centered on the gospel. And let me just ask you a question in your home, in your church. Uh, is there anything, is there anything that we need to start doing to be more effective in proclaiming the gospel? Is there anything that maybe we need to stop doing in our home and in, in our activities, in our church to be, to have more open doors 
for proclaiming the gospel. Paul had an open door in Troas to proclaim the gospel. But Paul was discouraged. We see very clearly. He was discouraged because Titus was not found in Troas. Titus was expected to be there. Uh, I, I love, just back up here, I love the affection we see of Paul and Titus. And we oftentimes see this in Paul and Timothy and other characters in the Bible. Uh, Paul had a great affection. This was a son in the faith. And, and he had sent Titus to Corinth to find out how this church in Corinth was doing. And Paul was discouraged. Uh, he, he was discouraged that Titus wasn't there. But more importantly, he was discouraged about the Corinthian church because, because of their sin. And there were, there were false teachers. Uh, you know, this, this church was a piece of work. Uh, this church was a piece of work. They were, you know, as we reflect back in 1 Corinthians, uh, this church was divided. Uh, they're, they're selfish, uh, strongly worldly. They fought with each other. They sued one another. Their marriages were, were in rough shape. Uh, there was immorality that was going on. Uh, they, they were getting drunk at the Lord's table. There were false teachers. There was disorderly worship. Uh, this church was a piece of work. And Paul had written them. As we see in 2 Corinthians, earlier, 2 Corinthians 2, verse 4, he had written them a, 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 a letter of tears where he challenged this church. He confronted them in their sin. And so Paul genuinely wanted to know, does this church still love him? Have they repented? And are they still walking with the Lord? Paul, Paul loved this church that was a piece of work. And so I want to ask you, I ask myself this question. First, let me just say, you're a piece of work. I'm a piece of work. You might not be suing anybody, but, but we all are, are, are men and women that are, if you've trusted in Christ, you're saved by grace, but, but we're in progress. And, and we're all a, a people a church that's in progress. And so I'm a piece of work. You're a piece of work by God's grace. But get this, Paul loved this church. And so I'm challenging and I want to encourage you, do you love the church like this? Do you go to a church that, uh, that would respond well to a, a letter of tears like Paul? Uh, we're churches that are a piece of work, but I pray that we're repenting churches, that we're growing churches. And so Paul uh, greatly loved this church. And so it's a challenge to me and it's a challenge to you, for better, for worse, to love what Jesus loves and to be all in on what Jesus is building, uh, the local church. So here, Paul, we, we see what's going on. Paul is expecting to meet Titus in Troas, and when he, when he didn't show up, he's concerned. And so now, abruptly, Paul leaves abruptly for Macedonia and finds Titus. And in 2 Corinthians chapter 7, if you fast forward, if you look ahead, 2 Corinthians chapter 7, uh, 5 through 7, shows how Paul is, is relieved and comforted by Titus as he hears the report of this church in Corinth. And so 2 Corinthians 7, 5 through 7, for even when we came to Mas into Macedonia, our bodies had no rest, but we were afflicted at every turn, fighting without and fear within. But God, who comforts the downcast, comforted us. Paul saying he comforted us by the coming of Titus, and not only by his coming, but also 
by the comfort with which he was comforted by you. As he told us of your longing, your mourning, your zeal, your zeal for me, so that I rejoiced still more. You see, here it is. Paul receives the report. He finds Titus and he receives the report that they're still walking with the Lord. That, that they long to see Paul. That they, they mourn. That they're repenting. They're growing. They're still walking. And, and so what a joy it is as, as Paul meets up with Titus in Macedonia to, to see this report. Well, before I move on, I want to come back to one thing. You, you got to think there's an open door in Troas. So it seems uncharacteristic that Paul would leave open doors where things are happening. When it talks about open doors, I would imagine there's people coming to faith in Christ. There's, you know, why would you leave an open door to go somewhere else? Should Paul have left an open door to go after Titus? Think about that. Well, he did, and I don't know that we can... Uh, call it a sin issue or any, anything like that. But, but here's what we know. He, he goes and meets up with Titus. And guess what? Now we have this letter of 2 Corinthians some 2,000 years later. And in God's sovereignty, look at this. Paul's able to go back to Troas. If you look in Acts 20, uh, 5 through 12, as Paul makes his way back to Troas, he's preaching up until midnight. And this young feller falls into a deep sleep and falls out the window. Now, don't do that right now. Wake up. Don't fall out the window on me now. He falls out the window and is dead. And Paul goes down and brings him back to life. Open doors, closed doors. I want to say God was sovereign all the way through uh, to leave an open door to another open door to another open door as he's on mission to proclaim the gospel. I would just say to you, it, it, you know, hopefully you're in some open doors for ministry. But um, I, I, you know, is the Lord calling you to even leave a great opportunity to step out in faith for another great opportunity? I've told, uh, I said it many times, I love living where I live. Uh, there's open doors. There's great opportunities here. But I want to be found faithful as, a, as I lead my family to be willing to, to step into to other open doors to be obedient to the call of the Lord upon my life. And, and so now this brings us uh, to 2 Corinthians 2, verse 14. And so you see it's kind of abrupt. He's, he's talking about this interaction, and then uh, all of a sudden it goes, but thanks be to God. And so you see what's happening. He's met, I believe he's met Titus, and now it, it comes to the present. And in verse 14 brings us to the present where Paul celebrates after hearing the report from Titus. And Paul says, but thanks be to God, in verse 14, who in Christ always leads us in triumphal procession. God leads us in victory. And so we see his sovereign plan. Uh, we see the situation in Troas. We see Paul's obedience. We see the discouragement. But now we have this picture of thanks. But thanks be to God in Christ who always leads us in triumphal procession. What is a triumphal procession? Well, a, well, a triumphal procession, it, what it is, it's a victory parade. And so Paul brings in this imagery now. Uh, it's a victory parade that honors uh, a great general who's won in warfare. 
And, and it wouldn't just be any battle that you would win. There would have to be certain standards that you would meet, a, you know, a certain number of people you would conquer, and uh, things that would, uh, that would take place. And, and in reality, this would be a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity for a general. Uh, once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. You know, uh, around here, uh, we go to parades, a Christmas parade. And, you know, probably the biggest parade I've gone to is the parade where we won the national championship. I'm fortunate enough to be old enough to have been a part of three of them. But I want to say there's no national championship parade or Macy's parade or whatever spectacular parade that you could imagine that would compare to a triumphal procession. You see, uh, as, as this triumphal procession would proceed through the streets of Rome to the capital, uh, offerings would be made to the gods, and, and it would involve officials and senators and trumpeteers and all sorts of musicians, and uh, there would be soldiers that would be marching and priests that would be waving incense. So you got the smell picture here. And then there would be captives, uh, some Scholars would say captives that would be chained to the chariots and that would be brought to be put to their death. Uh, slaves that would be put into prison. And then you have soldiers. And then finally, you would come the general himself in a chariot. And people would shout, triumph, 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 triumph. The triumphal procession honoring this great celebration. Well, what is the... The point of what's going on here. What's the point of this triumphal procession? There's at least two things. Um, one would be the participants. Uh, as, as we imagine these participants in the triumphal procession, there's at least two pictures of participants uh, or, or ideas of participants that would pertain to us. Uh, as, as believers in Christ, uh, we, we are soldiers, right? We are soldiers in the general's army. Uh, there's many texts that would point to this later. Uh, well, in 1 Corinthians 15, 57, uh, Paul says, But thanks be to God, he gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. So it's this picture of we are soldiers in the army of God. Uh, later on in 2 Corinthians, we're going to hear the language of ambassadors for Christ. We are his ambassadors. So it's this picture of participants in the army, participants uh, with this great, awesome general. But there's also maybe another idea of participant. Some, some scholars would say even the slave, uh, maybe a, a slave chained to the chariot. And, you know, we're slaves for Christ. We're his servants. So there's many texts that would kind of allow for that. I, I wonder if both of these ideas are at play. You know, we are slaves for Christ. We must surrender our will in our lives to follow Christ. And yes, we are soldiers. We are his ambassadors in his spiritual army. But let me just say, yes, that's one aspect of what's going on here. But don't miss this. That's not the primary point. The primary point of the triumphal procession is not about me. It's not about you foremost. It's not about us. It's about a sovereign general who is all-powerful, who is all-control, and his name is God. And his name is in Christ, through Jesus Christ. Uh, he, is, he is always leading us in Christ. He is all-powerful. He's leading us triumphantly. We don't lose the sovereign general, Jesus Christ. 
We are led by a sovereign Savior General who is involved in every detail of your life. Do you believe that? In, in crisis today, in turmoil that we're going on, um, do you really, I mean, I mean picture this. You, you follow, you serve, you're a soldier, you're a slave uh, in, the, in, the, in the general's army and he is sovereign and his name is Jesus and he knows you. He called you by name. He knows the details of our life. And so the question is, will you follow this sovereign general? Regardless of your circumstances, your disappointments, the crisis, and yes, even success in your life, will you submit your life to the sovereign general who always leads us in triumph, always leads us. And Paul gives thanks for the privilege Thanks for the privilege of being led by a sovereign general, Jesus Christ. And are you thankful? Paul says, thanks be to God who always leads us in triumphal procession. Are you thankful regardless of your situation? I want to tell you, that's been hard for me. And, and it's, 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 only, it's only heated up recently. The closer it gets to the start of school, the closer it gets to football season, these comforts, these things that I like to plan, I like to know about, that, that's been hard for me. But I can trust and believe that the sovereign general is on his throne and he's in control and he, he wants to use this for good in my life. Uh, political tension, racial tension, these, these have all been good things in my life to, to learn and to be shaped according to to his image. So I want to be a, I want to be a slave that, that follows him. I want to be a soldier that, that is faithful in his army. God leads us in victory to fulfill his mission. But as we move forward in the text, God makes himself known through us. God leads us in the awesome victory. He's the sovereign general, King Jesus, Messiah, but God makes himself known through us. 2 Corinthians 2, 14b and following. And through us spreads the fragrance of the knowledge of him everywhere. For we are the aroma of Christ to God. Among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. To one a fragrance from death to death. And to the other a fragrance from life to life. Who is sufficient? For these things, uh, three three ideas here that are that are really strong and and are going to build on one another. Uh, God makes Himself known through us, and get this: it, it's because of who we are first. It's it's our nature. We are we are the aroma of Christ to God. Our nature. We we are the aroma of Christ to God for His glory through us. God uses us to. Make himself known everywhere. Uh, this, you could play into uh, to the Old Testament language in Leviticus 23, 18. Burnt offerings uh, are said to be an aroma pleasing to the Lord. We know in Romans 12, 1, right, uh, that we understand that we are pleasing to God as we offer ourselves, right, as living sacrifices. And so in Christ... We smell awesome to God. We smell awesome. We, you know, 
we greatly please him by following him as his vessel to, to proclaim his glory everywhere, regardless of the results, regardless of if there's success. And, and yes, in ministry and church planting, uh, you know, let us not measure success by numbers and results. I want to say in today, uh, it, it's very hard to measure anything. Everything seems like a failure. But our nature, uh, we are the aroma of Christ. But there's two striking paradoxes here as we look at this nature. The paradox is, number one, we are the aroma of Christ among those who are being saved. And I want to quote John Piper here as he is, is really as he unpacks these two paradoxes. So number one, we are the aroma of Christ among those who are being saved. John Piper says, uh, those who are being saved smell the, smell the death of Christ as the aroma of life. They see in his death the substitute that they so desperately need before God. The Son of God dying in their place is the fragrance of life. They, they don't turn away. They believe, receive, embrace, treasure him. And they live forever smelling Christ as the aroma of life gives life. You see, it's kind of like this. Uh, it, you, you have the opportunity in your home, at work, uh, you know, wherever your hobby is, or maybe with your kids, you, you're engaging, you're talking about spiritual things, maybe you open your Bible, you're sharing the gospel, right? And, and this is with someone, they're, they're open, they're interested, you can see it in their eyes as, as you're talking with them, and, and you challenge them to repent and believe and to place their, place their life in Christ and to trust in Christ alone to be saved, and, and, and things are clicking, and, and they respond, and, and they come to faith in Christ. We are the aroma of Christ to those who are being saved, and you know, you could do everything wrong, and that person would still respond, because his word is sufficient, and God is sovereign to open the eyes of that individual to see and to trust and believe in him alone. The aroma of Christ doesn't doesn't smell good to everybody, though. It's good news to some, and it's bad news to other. And so we are, too, we are the aroma of Christ among those who are perishing. We're, we're the aroma of Christ to those who are being saved. But unfortunately, we are the aroma of Christ to those who will not believe, to those who are perishing. John Piper goes on to say, Some people look at the cross, and all they see is death. They see no life, hope, future, joy. And so they turn away. If they turn away forever, then they die. They perish. They will go to hell. These are people who do not believe. And they do not see Christ as precious. They don't smell the death for sinners as the sweetest fragrance in the universe. It's not a satisfying fragrance. It's simply the smell of of death. You could go back and you could have the same conversation with, a, with an individual, someone you're praying for, someone you've written on your card, maybe a list of five friends, and um, you, know, you could have that same conversation. Open the word, uh, share your testimony, share your heart with them, share how God has changed your life, and, and it could be like talking to a stone wall. And those eyes would be shut. The eyes of their heart would not be open and so you could proclaim the gospel and do the do all the same things and an individual may not believe they don't get it they don't smell all they smell is death 
when they hear the gospel. Which person are you today? When, when you hear me describe uh, the gospel, when you hear uh, the, the death and burial and resurrection of Jesus Christ, um, uh, maybe even today you're, you're, your eyes have been illuminated there's more understanding today. I know the, the leadership here would love to connect with you, and they have ways to, uh, for you to email them and, and get together with you. Email me, jeremy at crosspointclemson.org. I, I would love to connect with you. And, and so my plea, my cry to you today as you hear this word would be to trust in him, to smell the aroma of Christ, and to yield your life, to repent and believe, and to trust in Jesus alone to be saved. That's my cry for you uh, today. Come to Christ. We are the aroma of Christ. It's our nature, and we should smell like Christ. It's what we should smell like. What do you smell like today? You, you know, you smell like what you're around. Are you spending time with Jesus? Would, would, would people smell Christ upon you? By what you say, how you act, and the things that, uh, that you give your life for? What do you smell like today? We all smell like something. I, um, you know, I, I love to do yard work. Uh, you know, it's this picture of a, you go to a bonfire, right? Uh, do some s'mores and hot dogs or whatever, and there's nothing like the smell of smoke. I've got a backpack blower. I've got leaves, and there's nothing like a couple hours with a backpack blower with some dirt and grass. You come in, and, you know, that smell just lingers, right? It, it lingers for a long time. Uh, do, do you smell like Christ? What do you smell like? You see, too often, I'm afraid we, we, we might smell like the aroma of legalism or worldliness or let it not be racism or politics or, or no aroma at all. We, the church, can oftentimes be the greatest hindrance of the gospel. So let us not be caught up in our programs and the, and the list and the things to do that, that were hindered from Living a life on mission. We are the aroma of Christ. It's our nature. It's who we are. We are the aroma of Christ to those who are perishing and to those who are being saved. But here Paul moves on and he proposes this really sobering question. We are the aroma of Christ, uh, but we are dependent on God to be the aroma of Christ. Paul says, who is sufficient for these things? Competent, qualified, worthy, the answer has not been answered, but we all know the answer, right? Nobody. I'm not worthy. You're not worthy. No one is sufficient apart from Christ. We have got to depend upon God. We, we are dependent on God to be the aroma of Christ. A few verses down, Paul is going to say, uh, 2 Corinthians 3, 4 through 5, he says, such is the confidence that we have through Christ toward God. Not that we are confident in ourselves to claim anything as coming from us, but our sufficiency is from God. You see, I really believe Paul realizes the weight of the mission. He knows that he cannot do it on his own. 
We are the aroma of Christ, but we must depend. Uh, Our sufficiency uh, is from God. Our sufficiency, we are dependent upon him. And then finally, uh, from beginning to end, we said uh, the mission is about proclaiming and speaking. So uh, here we go. Our mission is to spread the aroma of Christ. Paul says, for we are not like so many peddlers of God's word, but as men of sincerity, as commissioned by God, in the sight of God, we speak in Christ. We don't just smell. It's not enough just to go into a room and smell like a Christian. If you really smell like Christ, you will proclaim the gospel. Being the aroma of Christ, spreading the aroma of Christ, is proclaiming the aroma of Christ. And and Paul contrasts this this intense character. He says, don't share Christ like a peddler, a salesman. Uh, You know, this is peddler preaching. Uh, These are, you know, the idea here would be traitors or... or, um, they would water down something. Isaiah one twenty two. the idea of watering down wine or, or you know, kind of altering the scales. A peddler preaching, they, they adapt to the market. They tell people what they want to hear. The classic salesman. You see, there's a contrast between Paul's message and the false teacher. A peddler was in it for the money. They, they, again, they preach, they watered down the gospel. A peddler's motives and message is pathetic. And you might say, hey, I I go to a good church. I don't really hang around peddlers. I'd I'd say, uh, not so fast, my friend. What are you submitting your ears to? Uh, You watch what you listen to, uh, podcasts. I want to say it's subtle. False teaching can be very subtle. I had some friends that were missionaries uh, when I worked with a campus ministry, and uh, I saw them share the gospel. I saw them life on mission. And, you know, some 15 years later, they've now come out and they've recanted the faith. And, and now they're peddlers. They're, they're peddler preaching. Not just recanting the faith, but they're, they're trying to, to get into the ears and to the lives of others that they could have influence. Watch out for peddlers. You see, we can't add anything to the gospel or subtract from the gospel. And if you do that, that's peddler preaching. Be, so be careful who you follow, who you listen to. And yes, the, you know, the church you get connected with, that's why it's so vital to be connected to a really good, healthy church. And if you're out there and you're in the area of Ann Arbor, I would commend a Treasuring Christ Church. I would commend you to take that step to lock in, to be a laborer, to, to jump in on mission, to see this church and multiple churches planted in the area. Again, I'll wrap up with this. These four phrases uh, are very explicit, uh, very challenging, but very helpful. Uh, Verse 17, but as men of sincerity, as commissioned by God in the sight of God, we speak in Christ. There's four phrases, and they all modify the idea of speak, proclaiming. We speak with sincerity. We speak from God. We speak before God. We speak in Christ We speak as men of sincerity. You see, people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. And so we need to be genuine. We need to love people, pull them in and and speak as, uh, yes, even if it's a hard truth, let people see our eyes. Let them see our tears. 
that we care about them as a person and not just as a project. Uh, people, uh, people need to know that we care. We speak as commissioned by God. Our words are not your words. Uh, our words are, come with authority. They come with the power of God. We, that's why we speak the word of God. And then we will be accountable. We speak in the sight of God. There will be a day, as we'll see in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, there will be a, a day of judgment, a day of accountability. And, and I would just say, are you more concerned with pleasing man or pleasing God? Let us be God pleasers. Let us meet that day and stand before him and, and be well done, my good and faithful servant. It will not be perfect. By his grace, uh, let us trust him to speak in the sight of God. And then finally, we speak in Christ. We have Christ in us by the power of the Spirit. Uh, he, he is our judge, but Christ is our identity. He's our hope. He's our courage. He's our confidence. We speak and proclaim Christ because of our union with him, because we are in Christ. You see, the message we preach and how we share this message is of great importance. Our responsibility is to speak faithfully as if our words were coming directly from God. And so treasuring Christ church, uh, I want to join you as a, as a local church here in Clemson, South Carolina. Let us be found faithfully proclaiming the gospel. God leads us to fulfill his mission and God leads us in victory and, and he uses us. He makes himself known through us. We are the smell. We are a, a sweet smelling fragrance to the Lord. And let us stink. Let us smell like Christ. Let us speak and use our words. Let us love people. And by God's grace, let's see this church multiply. I'm praying for you. I'm excited for what God's going to do. I pray uh, that the Lord continues to use these hard times to lead you to opportunities to proclaim Christ, to trust him, and to see uh, your church flourish and to reach many college students, to send many laborers to the nations. I look forward to seeing you really, really soon. Let me pray for you. Father, thank you for my time with Treasuring Christ Church. Pray, Lord, that you would bless them, multiply them, Father, for the believer, I pray that we would find encouragement, exhortation, that we would step out in faith. And our 98% out there, that we would live daily on mission, that we would use our words, that we would be the aroma of Christ. That's who we are. Father, again, if there's one that is listening and watching and does not know you, Father, I plead, I genuinely plead that you would open their eyes to see and to trust in you. So, that, that you would be glorified through a life that is now living for you as an aroma pleasing to you. We love you. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.